Well, welcome, guys, to church. Glad you guys were able to make it through our lovely weather outside. The true New Brunswick weather I see has made its, its come today, so I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here where it's, it's warm and cozy, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach today about taste and see. Taste and see. Who likes food? Right? And Halloween is tonight, so there's a lot of, I wasn't going to say food because I isn't considered food, but there's a lot of candy coming tonight. So everyone's taste buds, well, the children's taste buds are probably just like excited, overjoyed, including Pastor Ken. He wants that candy. So maybe I'll save you a goodie bag, Pastor Ken. I'll have one. You come dressed up and get it. That would be fun. <laughs> It'll be a great night. So, again, thanks, church, for donating those candies and all that stuff that you have poured into. It's going to be a fantastic night. We've been praying over this stuff that it's just going to reach the kids and the families that are coming through our doors. And those goodie bags, like, yeah, they're going to get their chocolate bars. Yeah, they're going to get their pot. But it's those goodie bags that we need to get into their hand because that's the invitation of um, the Christmas Advent Box, where basically it's a 24-day walkthrough of Christmas, which we all know is Jesus coming. So it's the expectation, the excitement of that next gift. And so they get to walk through that as well as getting treats and family activities, and it's all given out to the community for free. So it's limited, but if they don't all go, I'm going to come to you guys and say, hey, church, who is a friend or a neighbor that you can give this box to? And this is just a really easy way to get the word of Jesus out to people in a fun but chill manner. So that's tonight, and that's how it starts tonight. And it's, I don't know, I've been praying about it, and I just believe that the light is going to be shone tonight. So it's going to be great. So today, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. It's from Psalms 34, 8, and I'm going to pray. God, thank you so much that we are here, we are alive, and we say use us in whatever way you ask of us, Jesus. Let us be obedient to your word today. And God, I just ask that you speak through me. Jesus, we just ask that the words be so tasteful, so so yummy, God, that our taste buds just go out of excitement for more, for more. Let us crave you, Jesus. So, God, I, I give you this message, and I pray that you, you touch the hearts and the minds and, and open those ears up for us to hear you well today. In your name, amen. Yeah, taste and see that the Lord is good. When David was writing this, it wasn't a, so check it out, guys, or look at the reviews and, and just take a look at this. No, instead, David was giving a warm invitation. Try this. I know you'll like it. So today, it's taste and see. So uh, uh, Starbucks is what I enjoy. I enjoy my cup of Starbucks. And so I remember my very first Starbucks. And at that time, I did not like coffee. I hated coffee. My dad is a coffee drinker. And he, he gave me a, a cup of coffee at, at one point, And I was like, Dad, this is bad. Never again will I ever drink coffee. And this is when I was probably grade 12. And I, I didn't touch coffee. I was not a coffee drinker. And uh, my friend invited me out for coffee. Um, Starbucks just got built up the road from our church. Very dangerous place to, to build a Starbucks. And she said, come, come for a coffee. And I was like, yeah, I'll come. But I'm not a coffee drinker. She's like, no, 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 no. I'll know what you like. Just come and I'll, I'll, I'll show you. So I went with her, and she, she uh, recommended a white chocolate mocha with whip and the chocolate shavings on top. And she's like, 
just taste it and see. And I was like, well, I see that it looks amazing. I taste it. I was like, this is even more fantastic. I'm hooked. She's like, but that's not actually really coffee. It's just to get you into coffee drinking. She's a, she loves coffee. So that's how it started, though, because now I can drink a black cup of coffee. I don't need all the goodiness on top. That's a treat. But I can drink a black cup of coffee, but first I had to taste and see it. But isn't that the truth for us? After one bad experience, we can instantly assume that it's all going to be like that. When I had that cup of coffee from my dad, it did get better. But back then, when I had that cup, I was like, if everything's like this, I'll never try it again. This is terrible stuff. People can have the same thought regarding church. They may have had a bad experience at church or know someone who goes to church and they don't like that person. Or even hearing and seeing what's going on in the news or the world around us. Right? It, it creates a skew in our view, and I'm not going to try that again. So just like me in that bad cup of coffee, it wasn't good. And there are people who need to have that warm invitation. I had that warm invitation to go back to Starbucks. We need to have a warm invitation to personally invite people to taste and see that our Lord is good. So today I'm going to be speaking from Matthew chapter 5. And out of this chapter, I'm only going to hit a few verses because there's lots to unpack. But I'm going to speak from Matthew chapter 5. And most, most of us know that this is the, the Sermon on the Mount. I've also been told that this is Jesus' rant. Have you ever heard that? This is where he just rants. But I've also heard it where it's the rule book. And this is where he just downloads every do's and don'ts. I want to look at it differently. I want to look at it as a way of coaching. This is a growing opportunity for people. Jesus was teaching, but he was also coaching the people. When you are a part of a group or a team or an activity, there is usually a leader that gives instruction or coaches you. When I was on rugby, I was getting beat up when I played rugby, and there was no way I can get from where I was to cross that line because I kept getting hit hard. And the coach finally said, you know what? You need to pass the ball. Your target. And I was like, okay. So then I passed the ball. And he's like, you can't pass the ball forward. You need to pass it backward. So it's coaching those tips, right, to get you to do better, not suckier. Better. We want to improve. So that's what Jesus is doing on the Sermon on the Mount. He is coaching on a lifestyle. So the same way is that with the coaching is that Jesus has a, has a lifestyle for us to model. And it isn't harsh, it isn't rude, it isn't meant to be mean to people, it is meant to be love. And he coached this because he cares for people. He's in the people business. So the Sermon on the Mount, we see a large group of people were following Jesus. And he was the talk of the town, he was popular. People, people knew of him and wanted to come see him. So Jesus got to a, a hillside near Capernaum and started teaching the people or coaching the people. And this event was called Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Mountain or on a hillside. He spoke for three chapters in Matthew. Scholars say that the Sermon on the Mount lasted days. Can you imagine that? Jesus is on the hillside coaching or teaching for days, and I'm trying to keep your attention for 30 minutes. For, th for days, Jesus shared his attitude towards position, authority, um, money. But in the, in, the, in the context that I want to share is that he was sharing on the hearts of people and the obedience to what is important. 
The Sermon on the Mount challenged the religious leaders of that day. It's basically uh, the Lord's manifesto on how to live our life well. That there is no option. Jesus laid it all out there saying there is no suggestions to think about. There's, There's no questions here. This is the lifestyle that we are called to live. This is the identity, the purpose, and how we're, supposed to, how we're supposed to live it out. Jesus didn't give a choice whether we should participate because we're already here because we're alive. Right? We're already here. We're already participants. We're already living. But we have a choice. We have a decision on how we're going to participate. What does the world look like in our participation? So I'm going to focus starting on verse 13. So Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 13, and just these short verses I'm going to unpack today. So I'm going to read it. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus spoke with these analogies of salt and light for a reason, because it's, first of all, to help us understand, but also to make a point. During these times, when he was teaching about salt and light, they were essential to the livelihoods of people essential. And right there, that tells us that what Jesus was saying then was essential. It's also essential to our livelihoods. So number one, I want to kind of unravel of what salt is. I have three points about what salt is. Salt is a preservative. In those days, there was no refrigerators. And we know this. There's no refrigerators. There's no freezers. They would use the salt to coat their meats to preserve it so they can eat it at a later time. So it doesn't get rotten and go bad. Jesus says that we are salt of the earth. But what good is it if the salt loses its flavor? The salt used in first century Palestine was, was an unpure salt. They got their salt from the Dead Sea. So it was, the salt was, had, it was sodium chloride, but it was also other minerals within that salt. So it was possible for it to, to uh, lose its saltiness. And then if it loses its saltiness, it was no longer worthless. It was worthless. One cannot even fertilize the land with unsalty, sounds funny, unsalty salt. One cannot, could, could not fertilize land or, get this, to use it to decompose manure. It was that worthless. And Jesus is using this as an analogy to people. In the words of Jesus, the translation of lost, its taste in the Greek language means becomes foolish. That struck me really hard when I got that. In the words of Jesus, he is saying that a foolish disciple has no influence on the world. Isn't that, so when, when Jesus is saying that, that's on day one. And he did how many days of preaching? He started with that. That's, that's serious stuff. That's, that's life right there saying, let's just get rid of this part. Let's not be like this. Let's just go ahead. So I'm going to get this out in the open. We know now what to do, and let's carry on, right? Jesus is saying that on day one. So here's the question then. How do we preserve the word of God? 
How do we do it? Well, A, we need to know the word of God to be able to preserve it. And Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. Living and active. We can have that in us, and we can be living and active people for Jesus. We need to know God's word, spend time with him, let God reveal his words to us. For the word of God is living, right? It is active. We don't transform people's lives. We don't do it. God does because he is the one that is alive. He's the one that is active. And B, we need to represent Jesus well. We need to look good. We need to look good. We need to represent well. And second, I'm not talking about clothing, okay? I'm not talking about that. Please look good that way. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in our life, in our lifestyles. Second Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors or Christ's messengers, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to represent Jesus well in everything we do. It is a lifestyle. Jesus is a lifestyle. It changes our life, right? He changes our life to be able to walk that style with him. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came to serve. He did the ultimate service of sacrificing himself so we can be saved. We know this. To this day, the gospel is still alive. To this day, that is one of our values that we believe that that is relevant, that it is true. God's word is that. It is alive and living because people believe in the word because they have experienced the word. And now they want to witness the word. They want to live the life and tell people, we need to preserve that. We need to preserve that. Number two, I thought this was fascinating. Salt is an antiseptic. If salt loses its saltiness, it loses its natural healing elements. Sea salt is a natural antiseptic and an anti-inflammatory. This is Jesus teaching salt. Again, in those days, it was used for wound cleansing. Jesus wasn't on the hillside saying, you guys scrape your knees going up the hill here, have some salt, fix that, clean that up. No, he is calling us to be the, the salt to the world. Jesus was saying, let's be salt of the earth to the hurting world. You get that? We are called to be salt, antiseptic, anti-inflammatory to the hurting. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can be healers, not me, not me by myself sprinkling salt places, but with Jesus flowing out of me for his love for me, for me praying for people, Jesus' power coming out. We can heal people through Jesus' power. when I was in elementary school, um, and you guys would probably resonate with this, is that the teacher asks a question and says, who here knows the answer? And all heads go down going, please don't make eye contact with me. I don't want to, don't ask me, don't ask me. And she's like, Caitlin, what's the answer? And I'm like, I actually don't know, but you don't say that to her. And I started panicking. I got nervous and I was getting sweaty. And I said, the first thing that came to mind, Jesus. And she looked at me. And then she carried on with the math questions. Obviously, Jesus is not a math answer, right? I was wrong in that context, but I was correct 
in the form of, yes, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is telling us that we need to be salt, antiseptic to the hurting world. When Jesus spoke on the hillside, he had the big picture in mind. He didn't just speak to the people there, right? He saw what was coming. He knows we would be here today. He knows that his word is alive. His words come out are true. Those words about salt and how to be salt to the world is relevant then. It's God's word. It's relevant today. We need to have the same big picture that Jesus had on the day that he spoke on that hillside. And number three, salt is flavoring those taste buds, right? Jesus called us, uh, called us not to be bland, not to be boring. Jesus was not boring. He was not bland. When you go to a restaurant, it's your favorite restaurant, and you want that meal, you don't even need the menu because you know I'm going for that meal. It's good, and I want it. You order it, and then you get it, and all the ex- the, 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 the excitement there just take that bite only to taste that they missed it. They missed it. And they take the salt, figure it out, taste it. There it is. Tastes good. Jesus is saying, Jesus is calling us to have the big picture, to, to be the flavoring in, in, the people's, in the people's world here. It says in Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. I thought that was awesome. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Come as you are mentality. Grace. Give that grace to people. Season with salt. I want to enhance your life right now with Jesus. Let me tell you about this guy that I met. Oh, yeah. This is how I, where I go on Sundays. This is how, who I believe in. Have that season of salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's leave a good taste. But more importantly, let's leave a good aftertaste where people crave what we have, crave the love of Jesus in their lives. The second part that Jesus was saying in Matthew 5 is about light. So we talked about salt and the essential of the salt. But then he says about light, starting in verse 14. You are a light of the world like, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Can I just say that when you are flying and you look out, and you, especially in the, in the dusk to the evening, you see the lights and it looks fantastic. It's like, wow, look at all that lights. I bet that's this town and that town. He's asking us to be a light in the darkness. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. That's just weird. We don't do that. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Not me, right? Not my good deeds. Look what I did. It's no, 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 no. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at his goodness. So number light, light is life-giving, When Jesus was referring to the light of the world, he's referring to something that was so crucial in their day. It was so important because they did not have electricity. They did not have it. And just as light was important to them, it's important to us. To this day, if our power goes out, I will speak loud, but I will not have a mic. It is important to have that electricity, that light. Light is the same for us as it was then. Jesus is the light. When we have Jesus in our lives, we have the responsibility to use our light well. 
We see some people who we know that they love Jesus or Christ followers, but they do not use their light well. We need to use our light well. We need to be messengers of who Jesus is well, and we cannot hide that light. Jesus is essential. In the terms of today, he is an essential service, right? He is essential. Light is essential. John 1, 4 to 5. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it, which goes to point to that light is invasive. Look around. The lights are on. There is no dark. There may be a shadow here and there because it's of hitting an item or an object, but there is no darkness. The light is invasive. When Jesus referred to the light of the world, he's referring to something that, again, is crucial and is invasive. Light and God. So, sorry, I'm going back. God created the light, right, in Genesis. We saw that God created it. The light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. We all know that we turn on the light to see. We all did it this morning when you got up. You turn on the light or you're the ones that stumbled around saying, I'm not turning on the light because my eyes aren't ready. We turn on the light to see. The light that is on invades the space, letting no darkness peek through. We need to be invasive lights in our world. As a church, as people who love Jesus, who have Jesus in our hearts, we need to do that. We need to block out the potential of darkness. When there are low moments in one's life, that is when we need to shine bright God's goodness. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Let's not say, Jesus, I love you. Come into my heart. I want to follow you for the rest of my days and go, did it. Now what? I'm going to go back to what I just did yesterday. We need to carry on. We need to light our light well. Live, shine bright. Tonight is Halloween. Well, today is Halloween, but tonight is the, is the events of Halloween, right? We all know what Halloween is, but it's kids and families will be out, and they are looking for candy. My question is, what is Jesus' heart to the people who are out? Just because it's Halloween night and they're dressed as who knows what doesn't mean their, his heart has changed towards those people. Halloween is one night of the year where people come out to our doors, We're not going to them. They're coming to us. This is the night where our lights can be on and can be the most invasive. We can be invasive light into the world. On the night where where people say it's the darkest night of the year, why? Let's turn our lights on and be invasive into that darkness. Number three, light is purpose. As Jesus coaches us with this salt and light analogy, he, we need to remember that this is for all of us to do life together. This is, this is individual, but it's together. It's a lifestyle that Jesus is calling us to. Remember, this is him coaching. This is like, okay, guys, you got this. Here's your next step. Okay, Caitlin, you're getting hit too hard. Here's, your, here's what you got to do. You got you to gotta play with the next person. You got to toss that ball. Here's the coaching tidbit to you. Jesus is doing this on the hillside. He's giving that coaching tidbit to us. Light is purpose. So for example, light is a spectrum. 
I don't know full about the whole uh, science of things, but light is a spectrum and it has lots of colors. If you even see the rainbow, right? All the colors of the rainbow. If you can look from the purples to the reds, imagine all the amazing colors in between that there could be. Now, out of those beams of color of light, if you shine it to one point, say I shine it all right there, the color that it creates is a white light. Not all the colors. It creates one light that's white. In the same way, as a church, as a body of Christ, we can be beams of light, doing whatever giftings you have, whatever gifts you have. You have your own, say, we have a lot of pinks, we can have purples, we can have blues out there, all doing the same or different things, but for the same purpose. It's all pointing people to that white light, which could represent who? Jesus. In verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise, not me, your heavenly Father. Jesus is asking us to live the life of salt and light so we can experience and see God's goodness and we can, go, we can glorify our Father in heaven. That's the purpose, for people to see who Jesus is and for them to now experience who Jesus is. Let them be a, have a craving for God's goodness. And out of that, we can see God's goodness and we celebrate that. We're excited about that. And that's what keeps us going, right? We see God's good work, his transformation of lives. The invitation is there for us today. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Taste and see. I'm just thinking of that, that time I had that cup, that mocha. Taste and see. If I didn't, I wouldn't have tried anything else. Imagine how many more people could, could experience what you experienced with Jesus. Taste and see. It's a warm invitation. It's not a Bible thump on the head. It's, hey, this is what God has done in my life. What stories do we have that we can share that it's not a, a super come to church and hear the message. It's, hey, want to go out for coffee or tea or water or a hike? This is what God did. Isn't that pretty amazing? Has, what do you think of that? And start the conversation. It's a warm invitation. Taste and see. And so it's church, if you... Maybe you're here today and you, you hear it, but you haven't tasted it. Or maybe your taste was off on the first time you've tried tasting it. And that just turned you off. If you're here today, I want, first of all, I want to apologize that if that has happened in the past, as, as wherever you may have had that experience. And I believe that God wants to restore your relationships with whatever that person may be. But also, I feel like God is saying, today is your time to say, taste and see. There's an invitation where God's saying, taste and see. Just taste. Because it is good. What I have for you is good. I would like to pray, actually, right now. Can we just all close our eyes? That if you're here Maybe there was just some stuff that have happened that just made you go, ugh, that wasn't good. And maybe you have questions or you're confused about that situation. God, I just ask that you bring on a healing touch to their hearts. 
God, I just ask that you put in that warmth um, into their hearts, knowing that mm, maybe that was off. But you know what? God is never off. Jesus is never off. And there's an invitation today saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you're here today and you want to make that decision to taste and see that the Lord is good, you want to ask him into your life today. I want to pray for you. And if that's you, you, you can raise your hand at me or not. But God knows your heart and knows. Just if you wave at me, that doesn't mean that that's, that's the final say. It means I can pray for you. I can see you with all eyes closed. But whether you don't wave at me, God sees you. God knows where you are at. He, he has that warm invitation to you of taste and see. So if you're here today, my eyes are open. If you, would, if you would like to ask Jesus into your heart today for the first time, can you just wave at me so I know who I'm praying for? Awesome. I see your hand. God, thank you. So what we're going to do is that we're just going to have a conversation with Jesus. And I'm going to help lead that. So let's just repeat after me. We're just having a chat with Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you love me. I accept your invitation. And I want to taste and see of your goodness. Come live in my heart. Come live in my life. Show me my next steps. I love you. Amen. If you said that for the first time today, I want to encourage you that Jesus saw you. He saw your hand and that he is celebrating you. And I am too. And I maybe look really solemn right now, but I am very excited. So church, can we do a clap on that one? That was really great. But church, I want to pray for you all today. Because in Matthew 5, Jesus was doing a coaching. He is saying how it is, but he's coaching to make a pivot. Stop getting slammed with the rugby ball in your hand, Caitlin. Toss the ball. Some of us may have to make a pivot. Where we're like, how can I be a salt? How can I be light in my life right now? How can I be invasive light? Right? How, is, how can I be purposeful to someone? How can I direct someone's viewpoint if it's a little bit this way to say, you know what? Jesus is here. This is what he did in my life. So can I pray for you, church, is that I want to encourage you with, you got this. We can do this. I can do this. Because Jesus is with us. He's our, he's, our, he's our Savior, yes, but he's coaching us in this lifestyle. So church, thank you, oh God, thank you so much that you are, are here, that you are the, like when I say you, say Jesus, that you're a coach, that doesn't amplify, like you are our savior, you are our king, you are our, uh, our healer, Jesus, you came, you are the light of the world, you are salt, Jesus, and all we ask is for us to say, how can we do better? Jesus, show us our next step. 
How can I be light in this situation? How can I be salt to enhance this situation? Jesus, we are willing. Give us situations that come our way where we can, we can, we can remember your coaching tips of we can do this. Jesus, you are always with us. You've never left us or forsaken us, Jesus. So we, we thank you that you take our steps. You're with us always. So Jesus, I just ask that you help us. If there's a pivot point where we know that maybe this isn't the right spot for us right now and we actually have to sideline to another direction, give us that clarity, please. Show us our next move on how we can shine bright for you. God, we love you so much. We are so thankful for your love for us. And all we want to do, Jesus, is partner with you in your next steps. In your name, I pray. Amen. Well, there it be. It's a good day. It's a good day. So tonight is Candy Buffet. If you aren't coming tonight, that's okay. But can I ask one favor is can you pray? Can you pray, whether you're at home or doing your other things, can you pray for what's happening at the beacon tonight? I, I just believe that maybe we can have one-on-one -on -one touch points, too, with people where it's just like, I don't know, conversation starters, right? So can you just keep us in mind, or for those who are going there, just keep us in prayer about that, but it's, we'll, we're really excited. So you can register for church next week. We're here. Pastor Ken's bringing the word next week, and it's going to be a great time.